and welcome to the Improv Teachers Director's Edition. I am your host, Lauren Morris. In this version of Improv Teachers, we take a look at the artistic direction of improv. It's a side project since I love teaching improv, but I also happen to be an artistic director. And I think that it is helpful for us to dive into what the world of artistic directors are looking for. So every week or every couple of weeks, I will take a look at our shows and line up at AdLib Theater and give you what uh, I think worked, what didn't work, what our formats were, and hopefully some tools to help you become a better improviser, director, producer, or just general human. Thank you for listening. So let's go. Thank you for listening. And here we go. This is Improv Teachers Director's Edition. A format we use at the theater is a montage set. This is typically used by students or our ensemble teams. The montage set is a set of scenes that are typically unrelated to one another. Now you can do this with or without an opening. And so in a montage set, we will see two people, maybe some, maybe three people start off a scene. Then there can be a series of tag outs and of various other ways to expand these worlds. Once we feel like we've reached the top or the most heightened point of this world, somebody will edit either using a focus pull or a hard sweep edit, and then you do it all over again with in a new world with new characters. I think the montage is actually deceptively more difficult than it seems because you're constantly starting and restarting. You're constantly finding energy, hitting all the energy that you can in a scene, and then starting again from ground zero and building on that energy. I enjoy watching students do montage sets because that means they're connecting in a two-person scene, which for me is the atomic level of all long-form improv. In fact, all of improv. So if they can do a montage well, then they are off to a great start. So that's what a montage is when we use it at AdLib Theater. This week we had two student shows doing two different formats and then our house team performing. Our first student show did a montage set. And they did a great job. They're a mix of students because we have a flat level. We don't have levels. Well, we have levels because our last level class is coming through, but we no longer are doing levels. And so we have this flat curriculum of core classes. This core class, the focus was on character. And I was really pleased to see how they did in their show. And for the record, I did not teach this class this term. So I got to see them with a fresh pair of eyes. Overall thoughts were they were making strong physical choices right off the top. They received their suggestion and they right away made a physical choice, which helped them lead into a character choice. So that's a great thing to do. If you are struggling to make a new character, lead with a body part, lead with a physical choice and see what happens. Let that inform what happens next for your character. As it is a lot of times with student shows, some A group of people will start a physical choice and someone will come in and be like, okay, stop. The thing I don't love about that choice is it stops all the energy of the scene in one fell swoop. We're telling the improviser, stop making the choice you just made, which by the way was an improvised choice, which by the way was the right choice because we have no script. I don't necessarily, so I don't love when people come out and do that. However, it's typical to see that with students. The next thing to see is after they've yelled stop, they tell them what they're doing or they give them some context. And in this case, it was like, okay, that wasn't a good take as if we were in a theater or a film. And then they tell them why it wasn't a good choice. 
again, this is very, this is something I see time and time again with students. It's stopping the action and then they're trying to make a lot of quick decisions because there's many people on stage. And so they make these choices of like, you're this character, you're this character, you're this character, and here's all the things that I don't like about the characters. I personally think the stronger choice is if you're going to stop a scene, so let's say we don't stop the scene in motion and just add to it, or let the people figure it out. But if you do stop the scene, make the choice of why they're doing such an amazing job. You can heighten fairly quickly and maybe even faster if you're pointing out like you've just stopped all the energy. So now you've got to restart all the energy, then tell them what an amazing job they're doing and that will help get your energy right back on track. What happens also with student shows and montages is these standalone little worlds or vignettes tend to lean a little bit on premise. And when it does, we get a lot of exposition, we get a lot of talking, and then the students start to feel that the room is not as engaged as they were maybe 10 seconds ago, 30 seconds ago, and we start mining for jokes. And when we're mining for jokes, we're definitely not going to hit the joke. It's when we are looking to relate to one another and the characters and the relationships and those characters and relationships interact authentically that the audience gets engaged, involved, and then the laughter follows. Again, though, this is typical of student shows. This is typical of being green. This is typical of working with an ensemble for not a long time. So it's just some tips and tricks that hopefully help. What this group of students was doing was they were editing really well. They could see when a scene hit its peak and they would get people out of there, whether it was a tag out or a full on sweep. They were doing some really great editing. Most of the time they were agreeing with one another versus taking opposite points of view. And that agreement, especially when you're newer to improv, will lend itself to a more robust uh, scene that can be sustained over a longer period of time. People think that arguing is actually an easier route. It's actually, it, what happens is it's just this more natural route and we have to build a new habit. The thing is you have to understand how to argue well. You have to understand how the characters argue and that the actors aren't arguing and then build on that. So it's actually an easier choice to agree. It was great to see them doing that. There were times when they definitely talked about other things outside of the relationship or outside of what was going on in the moment, things that were happening off stage or at another time frame or something like that. And you could feel the energy just dip when it did. What I really liked though, was that the people on the side were in, were ready to edit or help with a walk-on, which means that this, the students on the side understand that they're not observers, that they're active players, even when they're on the wings, which is just such a great thing to see in a student show. They did great patterning and they had some really fun comedic choices. It was just a, it was really nice to see that. One of the things that I did see, which I see a lot in student shows also, is someone not being good at their job or not being awesome at something. And in fact, I teach an entire workshop on this. I'm like, why not be awesome? I know you think you're going to find the what's next with the negative choice, but when you're really good at something, you can find the really good something that, that sort of saves the day, if you will, and also elicits the laugh that we're all looking for. So I love being really good at a job. So if it's my first day on the job, which 
that choice alone, I could probably dissect. But if it's my first day on the job, I'm going to be really good at it. One, it doesn't trip me up with a relationship I need to have with that person because if I'm bad at that, then what happens is that person starts lecturing me on what needs to be happening and it becomes sort of this teaching scene. And again, like we're going to lose the energy of the scene and frankly, it's boring. If I'm just awesome, I get that out of the way and then I can focus on the two, like the two people that are in that scene, they can focus on each other. The other thing is that I can make other characters feel really good about themselves by being really good at my job. And in a world where off stage can be hard enough, why not make each other feel really good on stage? So when I, at some point I will have these students uh, and I will be the teacher. And that is something I know I already will focus on and start to hit on and hopefully get them in the habit of being awesome. But really it was a delightful show and it was a lot of fun. And I'm really excited to see what they do next. And it was, it was a fun night. This team performed the Slacker format. The Slacker is a really fun, high energy format. There's no opening, no hard sweep edits. In fact, the only edit we use in a Slacker is the tag out edit. That way we can move forward from one world to the next. So you're always taking one character from the scene. So if you have 12 people on there, you have to take one character from that scene, move them forward. This format relies on callbacks, patterning, bold moves, confidence, and a lot of listening. Great, so we have another student show, and this time it's our last level class. I might do an episode, I've been getting a lot of questions about why we uh, took away level classes and went for more for a flat curriculum, and we're really loving it at AdLib. It's not necessarily right for every community, but it's right for ours. Anyways, this is the last of the leveled classes that are finishing up, and so they are pretty seasoned at this point. Um, they will audition now to be on one of our ensemble or resco teams. They've been working with me for the last couple of months. And they're just, as a group of people, they're a lot of fun. I mean, I say that about all my students because it's true. Uh, but so, they do, so, so they're doing the slacker is what they're doing. And, or they did that this week at least. And overall, they did a great job of keeping it up. The slacker can sometimes become two-person scene, two-person scene, two-person scene. And if you clap it out or you tap it with a pencil, it's like this one beat and it can become seriously boring. So I've been really drilling in their work about bringing on more people or enriching the environment through scene painting or really just character development. And... The other thing that this group of people is really do is really good at doing is just accepting the reality of what has been thrown out there, saying yes, and then building on it. So basically, yes, and right, which I know you're like, well, that's the basics of improv. I know, but so many people don't do it well. They don't just accept and build. And these, this group did it so quickly this week that it was meant that we could just get to the fun because we don't have to negotiate with one another as individuals. They're working as an ensemble toward the same goal. And that same goal is a performance that they feel good about. The other thing I really liked was how they were really good at hearing the wants of the character versus the wants of the actor. The character would say one thing, but the actor understood what was really being asked of them. And then they didn't hesitate. They leaned into that character choice. And that is not something that 
is easily grasped. That takes some time and some reps. So the we had a couple of um, people who were trying to run like a torture league or, you know, like they're the league of villains is essentially what they are. And one of their villains just didn't act tough enough. And he played into it so well by acting less and less tough, but then being like, am I tough enough for you now? And it was just the understanding of, I get it. You don't want me to be tough, but I've got to think I'm being tough. And his portrayal of it was just funny. And the other people on stage had a fun time playing with that because he understood what they were asking. What I loved uh, was this example of saying yes versus fixing a character. They had the example happen of how it hits better when you say yes versus trying to fix or normalize. We tend, our brains we're improvising. So our brains are trying to keep up with us. And if we can stay ahead of letting our brains get really logical, then we can find the fun. Our, our, that lizard brain wants to come out and protect us, right? It wants to be like, no, I have to make sense of this. So therefore I'm either going to like justify everything around me, but not like justify so that everyone's on the same page, justify in a way that normalizes this, that makes this like fixes our problems. And when we start to normalize and fix our problems, the fun a lot of times is taken away. One of our players had a girlfriend who was in, was, was, um, it had tied back. It had, because of slacker, it had tagged through that there was a person who had been in this torture chamber for a while, but she actually loved it. She was literally like being rolled around on a rack and she loved it because it made her taller. And now she was in this relationship with a guy and the guy was really, upset because their relationship was kind of weird because she was into weird stuff uh, because she was on a torture rack. So we had someone um, tag in and be like, man, you've got to get rid of your girlfriend and like try to fix the scenario. I, I understood what they were doing and they were making some strong character choices. It, what happened next was someone tagged that person out and then was like, dude, you are crushing it in the girlfriend game. You are like the talk of the town. People are loving that. And that got a huge reaction from the audience. And that is showing how we say yes to this crazy relationship you're in and also not fixing it in any sense and taking that positive choice. So the fact that they came back to back was great for me because I could give them the direct note and a direct example of something that I'm always trying to hone in. And that is don't justify, don't normalize. Instead, be awesome and be like, dude, you're crushing it on the girlfriend, right? And then we had a bunch of people walk through and be like, oh my God, you're that guy with the girlfriend. And it was just a great example. The other thing that they did a good job was, was navigating group scenes. Group scenes can be hard and they were doing a good job of having two points of view with like three or more people. So they were just really hitting that well. Um, and then they would match each other, right? So they would match each other in their physicality. They would match each other in their outlook on life. They would match each other in their character choices. And that just helped them build some things really quickly when they were, when they felt like they were starting. Cause sometimes you just have to tag someone out and start over, right? Like you're like, Oh, this is, this needs to go. I need to move this forward. And so you're sort of starting from ground zero and the fastest way to get that going if you don't have a strong idea already is to just match your partner. And they were doing some great things with that. The other thing they were doing was being aware 
of the space, the stage. Oh my God, I was so excited. They knew when two scenes in a row were downstage, were upstage, and they needed to start making some moves downstage. The fact that we have players who, in a student show, are starting to think about that is just a, it's delightful, it's refreshing, and it's so nice to see that. They are also really aware of their physical choices and the faces they're making and how that without words works so well with an audience. So they're just really coming into their own. And I'm really excited. They have another show um, this week. And, and there's, I mean, there's obviously a couple of things we need to tweak. There's a few times, a couple of offers were missed because we weren't maybe listening as hard as we could have. Um, there was, you know, every now and then the group scenes would get really large and that would be a little harder to maneuver, but who doesn't have those problems, right? So I'm really excited to work with them again this week and then see what they do next week. So that they did a great job this week. So a format that we put up every week at AdLib Theater is the Herald. The Herald is a legendary form created in IO Chicago with Del Close and Sharna Halpern. This format has a three beat structure the training wheels format, it will have an opening, beat one, scene A, B, C, game, beat two, A, B, C, another game, beat three, A, B, C. We have expanded upon the training wheels format and we really enjoy performing the Herald. I learned Herald quite a long time ago, so it's something that is really true to what I do and who I am as a player and I really love it. And it's something that I'm always striving to take into new territory and see what's next. All right. We ended the night with the house team doing a Herald. And this is the team I play on. And I had to be really aware that I was going to be doing a podcast this week. Um, not during the show, but now. Because I don't want to just gush on like how fun our set was. But I'm. it was a really fun set. I think there was a few reasons why. One... We had two sets before us that really put together some great work and we were excited to get in there and be like, yes, look, we're all doing this great work together. Two, the entire team was on stage and it's actually been a good six to eight weeks since the entire team has been on stage. As improvisers know, people's schedules are terrible and so a lot of times we'll have like five out of the six players there and it's always five different players. So... I think we were really excited just to get on stage with one another. The other thing is we're working on some uh, very specific concepts that and, and things we want to see be happening in forms because improv needs to be rehearsed. I don't know how much I can say that without sounding really annoying, uh, but our goal is to make our shows seamless. We don't want gaps in our edits. We don't ever want the stage to be fully clear unless we have, uh, unless it's a very strategic reason why we would clear the stage. We never want to have like, Oh, this scene is over or, Oh, this beat is over. We all go to the wings. Now take three seconds to think and then restart. We never want that. We try to have, focus pulls and edits that are seamless. And we try to never leave gaps of dead air on the stage. So there, these, these are tangible things we can work on in practice. Uh, our biggest note was that our show was short. 
but I would rather have our lights be pulled earlier on a high note than force us to be going the full 30 minutes that we should be going. If we are pulled four minutes early, then so be it. We're pulled four minutes early. That's on us in rehearsal to get it together. We were playing very fast. We were raising the stakes and we were making strong connections and characters. So we were doing all the things. It's just a matter of okay, why do we get a little shorter? And as I went through our videos, because I recorded all our videos to watch them, I figured out where we could add some of that time. Overall, we hit all our marks this week, but I'm gonna go through some of the things that worked and again, why some of the things came up that we were short. Great, so we're working on some following the flock in our opening and making some strong statements about the word or the suggestion we get. And, and, and so that can lead us to some thematic points throughout our Herald or hopefully the entire Herald's one big theme. We get into uh, beat one and right away we have this crazy married couple who have been married 25 or 35 years and the husband still is basically a man baby, but the wife enables it by feeding him like a baby, by, you know, goo goo gaga and talking to him. And this great thing was that another one of our players walked on and was their son and he clearly knew this is how his parents' MO was and hated it, but he never once tried to justify it, normalize it, or get those parents to change. And that's what works. He can be the guy who is the vessel for the audience to be like, those people are strange and weird as fuck. He never once takes the joy out of that because we want to see these parents be ridiculous. So he comes through and he sets things up to make it ridiculous. Things like, what's the Wi-Fi password? Well, clearly it's going to be baby talk and those kind of things. So that was super fun. Then we get into uh, scene B and our two characters start off and they're doing this great job of building up the environment. And then um, we have sort of two people take a different, um, they get up on chairs and make a different stage picture and they're two different characters. And there's a few things that can happen here. And the players did a really good job of making it basically a split scene. Like they figured out, they're like, you know what, we're going to split scene this and we're not going to recognize that the beans, because it happened to be suns and clouds talking, as you have in improv. So you have to make a choice. Do we either know that inanimate objects talk or do we not hear those inanimate objects, right? And the minute we realize we don't hear them, we've got to do a split scene. And those were those moments were decided in a matter of like, not even seconds, like milliseconds. And they were quick and where they were active and we just did it. So it worked. Boom. Then we get into scene C and our actors really lay down some great characters, their drives, their wants. And we have these random prizes and we have some stuff going on off stage. And we know there's these rules of three and it was great because it was patient enough and everybody trusted everyone enough that we knew that that third one was coming. And the minute it did, it would propel us into a game. So we were just ready. Like first beat was tight. It was on point And we just got propelled into a first beat game that absolutely also hit the theme of what was going on. Super happy with all that stuff. Plus it was a lot of fun because we were being ridiculous. We make these physical choices because that's the type of team we are. And the minute we start making physical choices, you have to have this sense of trust, right? So it's, it's something you have to discuss as a team. You have to understand boundaries. You have to practice. You have to 
foster relationships outside of the improv theater, right? Like that's why you'll hear people say, go do an activity together or get to know each other, et cetera, et cetera. It's because in those moments when someone's like, I'm about to jump off this wall, I know three people will be there to catch me. That's why we do that. I'm already talking faster, right? Because that's how excited I am about what was going on. Overall, B2, I'm not going to break down a lot of things for you. It was a lot of fun. We did great things, but it was shorter than we needed it to be. Um, and we landed up having to make up some time in our third in our second group game, which we were able to do. Instead of doing it that way, what we should have done is really hyper, continue to hyper listen, right? We were doing such an amazing job of that coming off of the game. And there were just a few moments in actually scene C that we just dropped moments of like, oh, we need to go down that rabbit hole. And then there were moments in A and B where we have to just think about like characters and work home play, have say do. Here are some things we can do to keep pushing further into the rabbit hole, keep expanding our world away from the first couple of characters we saw, or in our case, the first four or five characters we saw, and really start to get deep into how these worlds connect. That will help us connect our third beat better and also fill out our time since we're since we like to go for a certain amount of time. So the my so really my notes on that second beat were about hey, literally minute blah 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 on the video, this was said and not a single person jumped on it, which means out of the six of us, one person said it, so that's like five other people who missed it. That just means we need to really make sure we're sharpening our listening. So how do we fix that? We fix that in rehearsal, right? We make sure we have it set up where like uh, I will sit out and do some coaching or we will specifically be looking for things or we contrive exercises or we get an outside coach who's like, hey, stop. That's where that is. Go, go mine in that field for a while. It comes down to rehearsing and reps and getting that sense of timing in our bones and really just re-honing, re-honing, re-honing our listening skills. We got to our second game and that was a lot of fun. We tended to do an accordion edit or a growing shrink, a version of a growing shrinking game, which we do because we had we found that that helps us propel into beat three. We we were finding that we would get into a second game and the audience wouldn't see it, but we would feel that we were starting to think we'd be like, ah, oh, third beat's coming upon us. We got to think about this. So we would clear out from our second game and there'd be like a moment of two of like empty stage or just one person. And if you're hitting a third beat, you want to hit that third beat hard. It, It's not establish, expand, and then meh. It's establish, expand, explode, right? Like we should be in space by that point. So this, the way we do this accordion edit forces us to propel into beat three and it's been working really well. And our tech did a great job of being like, yeah, I'm calling your lights early because that was a great button and I'm not going to make you find another four to six minutes of material because you didn't give yourself enough material in beat two. Overall, a really fun show. I know that I'm going to have us work a little more on our openings in terms of our physical choices. They were a little same, same, same. So I'd like to work on those. And then just that, those listening exercises and getting it into our bones of what the time feels like. So that's my goals for the week and we'll do it again on Saturday and we'll see what happens.
So that's this week's director's edition. I hope you got some tips and tricks. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you want to find out more about the improv teachers or AdLib Theater or myself, you can go to adlibcomedy.com. You can go to Facebook and put in improv teachers. You can go to laurenhas3.com. Uh, all of those things are on social media everywhere. And as always, I appreciate everybody listening. This is a fun project. It's really helping me to see what I do every day and put it into words. So until next time, I hope you have fun improvising. Mm-hmm.